It's very sensitive this one. This one might be a bit less noisy. One of them's noisy. So is it, we're feeling a bit like the mic, but <laughs> sensitive, you know, that I, we were just noting this morning what it can be like at about this time in the retreat, that this particular day in the retreat, a longer retreat is typically a kind of crunch day for some people. The, the something has started to settle, but then a kind of the knees are hurting, the back is hurting, the kind of physical rigor of doing a lot of sitting walking practice is starting to make an impact, and and some of the um, what I call whiplash or <coughs> reverb from our lives that just settled at the beginning just because it's such a relief to stop, starts re-arising. <coughs> so it can be that we're just feeling a bit um, edgy on some level, that, and it, it can be a process where there's some of that <coughs> and there's times when the mind is really settled and open. And we're working with these different qualities and moods and experiences. And sitting this morning in the hall, listening to the morning chanting, chanting myself, and the phrase that really stuck and went into my meditation was this, you know, with ocean-like compassion. And just sitting with that that just being there, you know, having woken up feeling a bit flat and kind of stiff and not feeling very vital and just letting that quality be there. What's it like? And you know, how do we how do we practice within that quality? Excuse me, what does formal meditation look like with that quality? Mm-hmm. What do we do when we sit to, you know, at a time like this? Uh, we would come, period of sitting, and do we bring that, that breath with us, ocean-like? What, what is a mind like that has this this quality, this capacity. And me, you know, it's, I find it helpful to reflect upon because the habitual way, you know, I guess I first learnt to meditate was a process of closing down, kind of narrowing, in, concentrating, <coughs> concentrating, you know, the, a sense of tightening up and that's really why I've never liked the word 
I, I did an awful lot of transcribing you know, early on in my practice, and I would always misspell concentration. <laughs> I put an N in there. You know, concentration. And it was, a, it was almost like it had that kind of quality for me, a uh, kind of tightening. And what's it like if rather than narrowing, we have a sense of this ocean, like we're just opening the mind so up and it so has no contention with anything. That it, it is just so present that it settles. And what I find is if I can if I can come to the experience of breath and body, to the sound of the rain, to all of it from this very large place, the the samadhi or the collectiveness of the mind is very stable. It, it isn't coming from trying to keep anything out. It's not built on a kind of contention. Everything is welcome. But the, the mind is naturally loves to be with the breath, to be with the body. Because these are present moment, they're soothing, they're relaxing. There are place awareness can rest. As Jatindriya was saying, in a way, we need certainly as the mind settling an object on which the mind can dwell. no, typically, we use the body, we use the breath, we use things that support deep embodiment. And the Buddha said, you touch Nibbana with the body. So what does that mean? And it's to reflect upon. But for my practice, what it always reminds me is to be fully here in this embodied reality. It's not an idea. It's not an idea of practice, an idea of Nibbana, an idea of Samadhi. It's actually this ocean-like quality letting presence meet what is arising. So in this same, with the same quality, as I was saying on the first morning we were together, it's how do we let breath come and stroke the mind, let the rain fall through the mind, in a way start to relax the doingness the kind of grasping, the trying to get something and just relax, open into this quality of presence, immediacy. Letting my voice come to you, come and go. There's nothing to be grasped hold of, there is nothing to be let go.
to quote from our sutta from last year. So having this open capacity, this, this sense of just here. And we come into the essential paradoxes of the teaching. Mm-hmm. The condition, the unconditioned, the sense that Nibbana is here and now and we can awaken to whatever is here and yet there is a path of cultivation. So they can feel like they're, well, which one do we believe? Should we be getting rid of the hindrances or are we waking up to the hindrances? No, we can, we can get into a confusion. And where is the place where all of that is true? That why does the Buddha encourage us to actually handle the hindrances? The the ways the mind becomes occluded, the ways we start doing suffering. And my for myself I understand it is yes, we can wake up to everything. But it takes a certain degree of stability and clarity for that. And so we've meditation, formal meditation practice, these things are to give us the stability, the clarity, to let the thinking of the mind slow, steady, so we can actually see it. Because often, without this cultivation, things can be so chaotic. It can be hard to have the clarity, the penetrative wisdom, the kind of budgerous sword that cuts through. And samadhi is this, it has this incredible weight and power to the wisdom faculty. You know, they call it the, the weight for the sword. So the ability to let the hindrances settle enough that we can actually start to see clearly. So working, working with the restlessness, recognising it, the mind that's skittered off and thinking, should I do this? What was that about? Why did I do that? They did this, I did that. And it, and we come into the body, and we feel, oh, what is the quality here? And we feel the worry, we feel the restlessness, we feel the, the embodied experience that's pushing the mind around. We wake up to it, and what we find is, with the very presence and the direct knowing everything starts shifting and opening. And so it's, a, it's about here and now recognising something, the things that are occluding, and letting that transform, settle. We use the body, we use the breath. Some of you are using quality of open awareness. What, whatever allows the mind to come and be 
fully present, seeing clearly, able to see the coming and going of things, understand the conditionality. So with the breath, we, we are letting the breath come, letting it do its thing, it comes, it goes, it's like the waves of the ocean. <coughs> and we let the beautiful breath calm, steady, relax the mind. And there are waves, there are ways of orientating to this that support the deepening and opening. The Buddha taught the Anapanasati Sutta, the ways of working with the breath, and talked about how this starts to fruit in the factors of enlightenment in Nibbana. And we, now is not the time for a lot of detail about that, but just to start to feel the quality of the breath intimately. This long breath fills the body in and out. And we can make just subtle noticings. And we notice the breath is slightly harsh or coarse, this long breath. And you notice it starts to shift and become fine. It's almost like it changes place. We have the short breath. It's noticing how subtle recognitions allow something to deepen and quiet. <coughs> so that the mind can rest more and more fully with this experience that's coming to it. It is not in contention with the breath. It's resting into the breath. Feeling it. Nourished by it. And the qualities of meditation start to arise. The mind starts to come out of fragmentation. We get a sense of the unification of body and mind. The fullness. We'll recognize this in moments or it may be times of great stability for you. Sitting here yesterday in the afternoon felt like the whole place was humming very beautiful mind my mind really relaxed into the steadiness and the deep quality of presence in the room so there are times when this can be present either here or it's a quality we can rest in because it's all around us and we're Letting this soothe, open. It, Lumpur Cha used to say it's like taking a lovely warm bath. It's soothing, it's restorative. And the, you know, the, the thinking that's been helping the mind stay with the breath, feel the body, it starts to quiet. And we get this lovely sense of they call pitisuka, a bright sense, a rippling sense of well-being. 
and we work, we feel these qualities and we let them fill the body. So this this process that you're all familiar with helps stabilize the clarity of the mind. So it has the capacity. It is interested. It wants to see how things happen. It starts by itself to inquire. There's been a lot of um, frameworks that we talked about in the last few days. There's the the chanting we're doing that's full with the Buddhist teaching. And this stuff can start to inform the inquiry of the mind as it stabilizes and opens. It's natural. You have to do it. It's about relaxing, trusting this process. The Buddha talked about it as a natural process. Just like you know, the waters up in the hills naturally incline downwards and flow to the ocean. It will happen. It is happening. And we this settling, the steadying, this movement. And then, moment by moment, we're coming fully into presence. And what starts to happen is habitually the mind is focused outward on objects, tung, grasping. And as the meditation opens and settles with this ocean-like compassion, the grasping relaxes. And when we're not grasping out here, the sense of self here softens. Like the whole object subject starts to soften and fall away. And this is how this dynamic that happens in consciousness is how we do suffering. And it starts to relax. And we have the capability of seeing something else. It's like the mind's been turned looking outward. It starts to have the capacity to relax, come so deeply into the present moment. It just turns and sees. It sees awareness itself. Sees the Buddha. And these movements naturally happen as we relax out of what hinders the mind, which what keeps it trapped. Those that were here last year will be familiar with the way I talk of this process, the, you know, the it, it being like a gestalt shift, the, the mind habitually is so focused on the young lady with the hat and the feather. For those of you who are familiar, 
most of us have seen this image, this image. And our mind only can see the young lady with her hat. But as the, if we look long enough and start to relax, all of a sudden the old lady is there, the crone, the wisdom mind. And it was always there. It's just the looking was so fixated and habitual we couldn't see reality. Yeah. So it's not that you have to do anything. It's about relaxing the doing, relaxing the looking, relaxing the wanting, coming out of grasping, and letting this reveal itself. moment, long moments, whatever. Mm. Once, once this experience of, you know, as you know with those gestalt images, once you've seen the old lady, even if you go back and your eyes are still tightened around, around the young lady and you can't quite soften and see the old lady, you always know she's there. Yeah. And this is this is why the moment of seeing is so radical. Because one is never trapped in ignorance in the same way. These glimpses. To glimpse some other reality. And when we recognize, oh, it was here, it's as close as my face, but I cannot see it. We start to sense what's needed. We're not constructing a great monolith. It's very simple and very direct. So as as we're sitting with our knees hurting, with the struggle that could be going on with feeling sleepy and tired, we bring this compassionate quality of the Buddha. And this faith that if we remain present, remain willing, keep opening to what is here. This mind, body, the whole thing will soften, open, and something else will be revealed. Jitendriya was using a image of, you know, we're putting holes through the piece of paper so that all of a sudden, you know, it gets so thinned out. That's so another way we can conceive it. We just we start to thin out the delusion. 
So, being here in this paradox of, of cultivating, cultivating the pathless path, knowing that it's here and now, and yet there it's a lived day in, day out practice. and starting to see how this is not in conflict. There are things to be cultivated, but there is nothing to do. So yeah, trusting it. And if, if today it all feels a little much, we can, we can lie down, take one of these phrases, one of something you've heard in the last lifetime that resonates with you, just contemplate it. Because I know myself in retreats, you know, what do you do after you've eaten your soup? And it's another half an hour, three quarters of an hour till the evening sitting. You're not reading, you're not talking. What do we do in these spaces? How do we nourish the heart, take care of ourselves? What are we doing? And we're cultivating and we're keeping the mind attuning, attuning to the possibilities that the teaching points to and we're letting ourselves be nourished, nourished by the Buddha's teachings, encouraged. So maybe you're sitting in the hall and you can't be bothered anymore. It's been an effort. And then we stop the effort. The, the Buddha's disciple who you know, learnt, who remembered and recited most of the core teachings of the Pali, Tripitaka was an under as many of you know, and he, you know, all around him were these disciples who were arahants, and he was of course with the Buddha for decades, and his mind had not released, and they were having a big meeting, and only those who were awakened were allowed to attend, but there he was, the custodian of the teaching. So he sat down and he practiced as hard as he possibly could, whatever that looked like. (laughs) (laughs) And it didn't work. And so in the end, he gave up. And he lay down to sleep. 
And in that moment of relaxation, the mind let go. So was it without the effort he had made, without his knowledge of the teachings, without his tremendous unwavering devotion to the Buddha? All those things were part of what culminated in this moment of lying down to go to sleep and the mind fully releasing. So being in this paradox. And having this confidence in the teaching, in the in the ability the Buddha shows us of coming into the way things are, coming out of the struggle, which is the movement of the Four Noble Truths. They are, they are as I, you know, it works for me when I can see that it's the sense of I stop running. I'm here. So it's a Four Noble Truths, this movement into presence, whatever. Maybe enough for this morning. So we'll might like to stretch your legs a little and we'll continue sitting and at the end of the you know, half an hour or so we'll have a time for questions with Jitendri and I. feel welcome if you want to go and walk in meditation. Otherwise, it's an opportunity to ask or comment on what Jatindra and I have been saying. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.